Welcome, everyone. This is Not Lukewarm, Living the Catholic Faith with Diana Bartolini. Diana takes a look at what Catholics believe and explains it so you can live it. I'm Diana Bartolini, an author, speaker, and retreat leader who wants you to know your faith so you can live it. Our topic today is God the Father. So when we think about God, as Christians, we believe that God is a Trinitarian God, which means there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start with God the Father. One of the things that we know about God the Father, well, first, He's the origin of everything. Everything that in this world comes from Him. He is our Creator. He is the one who makes all things, all the things that are seen, things that are not seen, and He created all of those from nothing. The other, another attribute of God besides being the Creator is that He is Almighty, and He is all-powerful, He is all-loving, and He is all-merciful. And all of those combined give us a picture of a God, of a Father, who is willing to do whatever he needs to do for his children. And so when we think about God's mercy, that he is, he is always merciful. And in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, we too are called to be, to be merciful. Jesus says to us, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So how on earth can we who are not anything like God, though we are created in his likeness and image, how are we going to be merciful? Well, we can do that because we know that God has given us mercy. He has given us a tremendous amount of mercy. And because he has given us all of that mercy and done so much for us, we then have the opportunity and really, in a sense, the responsibility to give that mercy to other people. So how do we do that? How how can we be strong enough people to be merciful and and loving as God our Father is? Well, first of all, we we are adopted as his children and he wants us to participate in his life with him. And so he wants us to have a relationship with him. And the best example that we can see of how much that God loved us besides his awesome creation. So how much does God love us? He loves us enough that he gave us his son, his only son, who died for us. And so that is how much he loves us, that he willingly sent his son to us to give us this ultimate freedom and life of abundance by his death on a cross so that we can enter into heaven when we eventually die. And so God gave us this tremendous gift. And so what else's other tremendous gifts has he given us? Because that's not enough, right? Because our God is so generous. He is so, his generosity knows no bounds. He created us as free persons with free will. And we are all meant to have a share in the good things that God has given us in this world. But we're also, we have to remember that in our free will, we have to choose the right things 
and to choose what is good for us. And so God doesn't impose his will on us. The, the first example of that is in scripture in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. He creates man, he creates woman, Adam and Eve, and he says to them, you can have anything you want in the garden except fruit from the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. And what do Adam and Eve do? They eat from the tree of knowledge, which gives them their eyes become open to good and evil. And God realizes that they disobeyed him. And he real, they realize they disobeyed God. And they suffer a punishment because of that. And, and we, in a, we suffer as well because now, because we have this free will, we have to make choices all the time. Do we do the right thing or do we do the wrong thing? And when we want to do the right thing, one way to do that is to remember who we are. And that is we are God's sons and we are God's daughters. And it makes it easier to do the right thing when we do it out of love. So I don't love God and do the right thing because I'm afraid I'm going to get into trouble if I don't. I love him and I want to do the right thing because of gratitude and just this over this overwhelming belief that without him my life would be very very different. It would be different in a way that I really can't even imagine. And so when I think about how is my life better because of God, I think my life is because of God. So because of that, it it becomes then easier to do what I know to be the right thing to do. So part of doing that right thing is being caring and loving and merciful to all the people that are in my life, even when it's not easy to do those things. So we are part of God in that he created us. He created us in his image and likeness. And all of God's plan for us is revealed to us in his creation. It's revealed to us in the salvation that Jesus won for us. So when we think about what do I need from God the Father? What do I need from God the Father? And that often is, I want to know that he is there all the time. And I know that he is there all the time because that is what he said he would do, that he would be with us always. And not only is he with us always, but he sent us his son and Jesus was willing to sacrifice his life for our good, for our salvation. And then Jesus promised us that the Father would send us the Holy Spirit. And so that has also happened. And so because of the Father's love, we are able to live a life that is full of abundance and joy when we turn to him and when we know that he really does want our ultimate good, but he will never ever force us. He leads us, he guides us, he asks us, but he never forces us to share in his life. He wants us to share in his life, but he will never force us to. And it's because we have free will. And the love that we give to God 
When it is free, it is authentic. And when we live in that authentic love, then we are living truly as his sons and daughters. So that's really what I want to live fully as God's daughter. And so I choose to turn to him and I choose to remember that he wants my good always. And that is who God the Father is. God the Father is the person who created us. He made everything in this world for us, and we are free to love him. And in that freedom, we become the children that he wants us to be. And he wants us to be those children, not out of some selfish desire to have everyone to be the way he wants them to be, but rather for our good. And Sometimes it seems that God is asking us for things that are difficult, but ultimately, when we do those hard things, then God sees what we have done out of love, and he's going to reward us in some way. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to become famous or we're you know, going to win the lottery, but it means that he knows us, he knows us by name, and when we honor him, and love him and do his will, he remembers that always, and we will be with him in heaven. You know, our time here on earth sometimes seems very long, but it really is not in the light of eternity. And what we want is to have eternity with God the Father. And so our time here now is to really to love him and and to serve him, to serve his people, and to share the gifts that he has given us with others. So God the Father is, for me, when I'm having a really bad t- day and I really don't know what to do and I'm confused or overwhelmed, I sometimes imagine myself just climbing up into God's lap and resting my head on his chest and listening to his heart beat and mine eventually calming down to be in that same rhythm as his. And his arms are around me, holding me, reminding me that he loves me, that there's nothing he wouldn't do for me. So that is my image of God the Father. And I don't know what your image is of God the Father, but I hope and I pray that it is an image of love Our next section of the podcast is the scripture reflection section. And so you may have noticed that the title of this podcast is not lukewarm. And maybe you wonder where that has come from, this idea of not lukewarm. So if you go all the way to our, the last book in the Bible, which is the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus is speaking to the churches And he has a lot of things to say to them. And in particular, he says to the church in Laodicea, in chapter 3 of Revelation, he says to them, The Amen, the faithful and true witnesses, the source of God's creation, says this, I know your works. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. 
I wish you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Wow. You are neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. So I remember reading that a very, very long time ago. And I thought, that's horrible. That's just absolutely horrible. Just picture, your, picture it in your mind's eye. Watching Jesus spit you out of his mouth. I think that would be bad. It would be a big problem. You would probably be in a lot of trouble if you get spit out of Jesus's mouth. And so I, I looked at that verse and I listened to that verse and I thought, I cannot be lukewarm. I can't because if I am, Jesus will spit me out of his mouth and I want to be with Jesus. I don't want to be outside of him. I want to live my life as a part of his life, right? And so if you're doing that, then you can't be lukewarm. It's just not possible to be lukewarm. Um, what does lukewarm remind you of, right? Um, it's not hot. It's not cold. It's sort of just in the middle of the road. It's not very interesting. It's not very, uh, it doesn't really grab your attention, right? Things that are new, not things that are lukewarm or bland, they're boring, they're dull, they're uninteresting. Um, they don't really show who they are or what they're about. And so if you think about that, what kind of a person do you want to be in terms of your faith? Do you just sort of go along with things the way they are and you plot along and every now and again you throw up a prayer and oh yeah, I guess I should thank God for that, or oh, help me through this really bad situation, or uh, you know, I pray so-and-so you know, recovers from his surgery. What kind of a Catholic, what kind of a Christian, what kind of a child of God are we acting like, or do we really believe that God is our Father, and that in knowing that, that the idea of being lukewarm of being lukewarm toward God who has given us everything. Is it even possible to be lukewarm? How does that look? How does that feel? How do you live your life not really caring about responding to God's undying love for us? And so we talked, you know, initially about, you know, God, God the Father and how he is all merciful and he how he is omnipotent. And so when you look at that relationship that I want to have with God, who loves me so much, who has given me everything, how can I be lukewarm? I can't. Because that would mean to me that I didn't care or wasn't grateful for all that God has done for me. And so that's where the whole not lukewarm comes from. Because I do not want to be spit out of Jesus's mouth for a number of reasons. I mean, spit's pretty gross, right? It's pretty disgusting. And then it means that I'm not wanted. And I would be unwanted because I didn't have the desire to be hot or cold. You know, people who they're sitting, you're sitting on the fence, right? Jesus tells us elsewhere in scripture, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. So people say that as an expression. What do we say now? We say, say what you mean and mean what you say. And so that's the kind of person that I want to be. And that's the kind of person I challenge all of you listening to be, is not to be lukewarm, 
It doesn't mean you can be mean to people. We always have to speak truth and we have to speak that truth in love and in caring. But it does mean that we have an opportunity to share all the good things that God has given us in our lives with other people and to be excited about our faith, to be excited about what we believe and to share that with others. And so that's the other part of being not lukewarm. It's just the the realization that everything I have is from God and I am so grateful that I want to let other people know about it and to see it and to share that good news with other people. And so when I think about not lukewarm, I just, I think about being on fire for the faith, on fire with love of to the, for the Father and for the Son, and just overwhelming gratitude. And so that's where my uh, title comes from. So not lukewarm. So that's from Revelation 3.16, if you want to look that up yourself. Now, the last segment of our podcast is a favorite book of mine. So pretty much the way these podcasts are going to roll is we'll talk about a topic, we'll talk about a little scripture, and then a book. And so the book that I've chosen today is a book that greatly impacted my life. I read it in my 20s and I the first time, and I've read it more than once. Uh, I've read it numerous times since then. But the name of the book is Man's Search for Meaning, An Introduction to Logotherapy by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist who uh, eventually wound up in Auschwitz, the Nazi concentration camp, and he survived. And in that surviving, he was able, when he was released, to tell the story of Auschwitz in particular from his perspective. It was not a study done about all the prisoners in Auschwitz. It was not a, it wasn't historical in terms of uh, the facts outside of what he experienced. So basically it was his personal experience in the camps and mostly in Auschwitz looking at it through the lens of of a psychiatrist and also of a man who had lost much uh, in in the camps. Um, I, last year, went to Auschwitz, and it was the most horrible place I have ever visited, but so important that I went to see the absolute horror of man's inhumanity to other men, to other people, was so sad isn't even the right word. It doesn't encapsulate the horror of it all. I will say that during the tour, I found myself praying frequently to to have mercy on the people who perpetrated these horrific acts on other human beings and on the souls that they all may be at peace of those who died there and those who were killed in the most inhumane ways possible. It was so horribly sad. And in light of the fact that I had read many things about World War II and about concentration camps and then really thinking about Viktor Frankl, it really is a book that makes you realize not only to have gratitude, but that it is unbelievable 
how people can rise above the horrors that are done to them and still be human. I'm just going to read a, a couple of quotes and uh, for you to think about. So this is uh, the first part of the book details his experiences in the concentration camp. And so this quote comes from the first part of the book. Even though conditions such as lack of sleep, insufficient food, and various mental stresses may suggest that the inmates were bound to react in certain ways, in the final analysis, it becomes clear that the sort of person the prisoner became was the result of an inner decision and not the result of camp influences alone. He goes on further and he talks about how there were people who could rise above the way they were being treated because internally they had something that was giving them the strength and the courage to do this. And I think about that. I think about that sometimes when people are very concerned with being comfortable. I, I live in South Florida and the air conditioning is on most of the time. We like to be comfortable. We, we, we like to have comfortable cars and our chairs to be comfortable. And when you go and you see a place like Auschwitz or you read something like this, you realize that they were never comfortable, never. There was no comfort. There was never given any thought to their comfort. They didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough water. They were inadequately clothed. Their shelter was horrible. They were cold or hot all the time, depending on the season of the year, never comfortable. And yet sometimes the people could rise above that based on something inside of them that they had. And he talks a lot in the book about your attitude and your inner disposition. And then he, talk, he talks about suffering and trying to find suffering in the meaning of life. Um, and He's, this is another quote from the second half of the book where he talks about logotherapy. And he says that everyone has his own specific vocation or mission in life to carry out a concrete assignment which demands fulfillment. Therein, he cannot be replaced, nor can his life be repeated. Thus, everyone's task is as unique as is his specific opportunity to implement it. And when I, I read that, and I, I thought, this is so true. Each of us has a unique purpose and a unique plan. And of course, as Christians, we believe that that plan and that purpose has come from God. And so it's interesting to me that he learned so much of this. He saw this played out in a concentration camp, in a concentration camp where you would think, you would not see such goodness because everyone was being tortured and tormented and treated basically like trash, like human refuse. I mean, no, no thought given to them as people at all. And so he talks about suffering and what is the, what is the point of suffering, right? And so he says this about suffering. In some way, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning, such as the meaning of a sacrifice. And how true is that for us, that our suffering has meaning when we realize it can be for a greater good? This is what we see in Jesus's ultimate giving of his life for us. His suffering 
was not suffering because it had meaning to it. And so when we attach meaning to our sacrifices and our suffering, there's much to be gained from that. And I think that's something that we can think about as we go through our daily lives, just offering up little inconveniences that annoy us. Our coffee's not hot enough, or there's a long line at the post office, or I, my husband you know, forgot to load up the car with gas when he went grocery shopping. Well, okay, but he went grocery shopping, so you can go get gas, right? It's all those little things that we allow to annoy us. If we can just, in that old Catholic term, right, offer it up for someone else's pain, someone else's suffering, then those little sacrifices have meaning and they won't be such big suffering. So I think it's interesting for me that, you know, here was this psychiatrist who lived um, through Auschwitz, still was able to rise above that ultimately and become a person who did so much good for so many other people. So if you want to read a good book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, I would highly, highly recommend it. So that's going to wrap up today's episode. So I hope that you've enjoyed it, and I hope to hear from you and see you again. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Not Lukewarm, Living the Catholic Faith with Diana Bartolini.